Hey y'all, welcome back to Race to State. I am Maddie K, and I have uh, two very special guests this evening. Um, as you're used to, there, there will be no Mikey Two Names because Mikey Two Names is basically off the show. Uh, but we, we do have tonight again, who may may well be the new co-host, uh, Mr. Citizen Hush. Say hello. And, and Hold I, on, y'all. <laughs> they can't hear the wave. Um, and I think for the first time on this show, the one and only, the tractor man himself, Mr. Rollo McFlugel. How are you, sir? Doing great, but it's actually pronounced uh, Royal. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as we, as we just learned. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so it's an inside joke. Yeah, <laughs> that's where it can stay. So we like it on the inside. Uh, so, so I, I brought you guys together um, because I guess this came up. Citizen Hush, this came up, I guess, a month or two ago. The first time you were on the show, maybe, you know, we were talking about Ethereum and, and your your path to liberty. And, you know, I kind of floated this idea of maybe having this uh, Bitcoin versus Ethereum debate. And I, I don't know if I necessarily want to have a debate because, to be quite honest, everybody knows I'm a bad anarchist. and I don't know enough about anything as I, as I should, um, including Bitcoin, even though I've done shows on it. Um but I wanted to bring Rollo on to at least discuss Bitcoin. Uh, you know, let's let's talk about the pros and cons and kind of where things are in the technology. And I want to do the same thing for Ethereum. And I want to learn what everybody's concept is as far as a, a best use case for each. Um, if one will win out over the other or if both can coexist, you know, in the same sort of uh, liberty sphere, if you will. So I guess... Rollo, since this is your first, uh, like you're popping the Erase the State Cherry tonight, um, you first, man. Okay, cool. Uh, so for any for anyone that doesn't know what my position is, I am a Bitcoin maximalist. So I am someone that believes that Bitcoin is currently the dominant and and the best uh, best thing at being money out there, and will continue to be. Uh, the best thing and come to just basically drive everything else to zero, uh, zero monetary premium, including gold, including the U S dollar and including all of the, uh, other cryptocurrency, uh, competition. Now there might be some little pockets here and there where there's some value exchange on those things. But if we're talking about, you know, just rough numbers on percentages, I know some people say like, ah, it's going to be 80, 20 Bitcoin versus everything else. But I think it's going to be, you know, much higher than that. Um, so the first thing I want to say is there's a, especially a lot of libertarian types. They hear something like that and they say, well, you know, I'm in favor of, I'm not in favor of one current money or currency. I'm in favor of, of free market competition for money. And I said, yes, I absolutely agree. But money is a winner take all, uh, kind of thing. It's, uh, it's not like a lot of other goods and services out there where you'll see in a free market, um, you know, a, a lot of choices out there. It's a, uh, there's network effects in money, very similar to something like a language where it makes sense for everyone to kind of be on the same page and communicating with the same uh, standard in order to uh, make commerce uh, as efficient and smooth as possible. And for, and for really for people to, uh, to be able to, uh, signal profit and or, or understand profit and losses because once you introduce uh multiple monies into a con an economy you actually revert back to barter 
And that's a very inefficient way of doing things. Um, as far as why I think Bitcoin's going to uh, going to be the the one and only to dominate, uh, I think the the first mover advantage is a, is a really important thing. Like like in any markets, Bitcoin isn't actually the first cryptocurrency. Technically, um, there were uh, well, it's the first one that actually kind of worked. Um, that there were things like Hash Cash and Eagle in the past. A lot of the cypherpunks were. We're trying to figure this out for a while. They wanted to, uh, they saw the problems with the Federal Reserve. They saw the problems with the government controlling the money. And they wanted to um, create something that the government couldn't stop and the government couldn't, couldn't stand in the way of people. And uh, it was proof of work. Uh, that was eventually added to the previous iterations that, that made Bitcoin possible and what it is. And um, Currently, Bitcoin is by far the most decentralized uh, cryptocurrency out there. It has the most, uh, and it's the most secure. Uh, so it is, it is um, the one with the least attack surfaces or the, the least risky attack surfaces out there that um, I think even if governments decided that they wanted to try to shut down Bitcoin, um, they would basically have to shut down, well, they would all have to collude which good luck getting all the world governments to collude together to shut down the internet, but not just the internet, but short rave radio satellites, uh, mesh networks and, um, and shut off people's electricity. Um, so that means generators and everything. So, but as long as one single person keeps a copy of that blockchain, um, it can get started back up again from, from one person. Uh, so it's, it's just a really resilient thing. And, um, I don't think anything comes close to touching those those really important parameters that that keep it decentralized and keep it secure. I I just don't think anything else can can touch it. And a lot of these other uh, cryptocurrencies out there, they have other maybe interesting things that they do, um, but they're always trading uh, some security parameter for for whatever uh, whatever feature they're trying to do. And so that makes it that makes it dangerous. Where I think Bitcoin. It's really important, and I really like the culture around Bitcoin. That the most important thing is the you know the digital scarcity and the censorship resistance. That is not there's no compromises there. Any any sort of other you know a sort sort of thing like scaling, where you might have to make compromises to to add features. You do that on layers on top of it. So um, so everyone's kind of on consensus with the main rule set, the main thing that gives Bitcoin value. And then we can ex experiment with things on top of that to try to, to try to do other things. It might be pretty interesting with, with programmable digital money. So that's right. good. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. That's perfect. So I, I guess before we get to Ethereum, um, you did mention that it's the most secure. And, mm -hmm. you know, we always hear bantied about these other, you know, secure coins like uh, Monero or something like that, or Zincash or what is Zcash. What do you have to say about that? I mean, what what makes Bitcoin more secure than those ones that come out as like the, you know, quote unquote, secure coin? I, I actually have a clarifying question. Uh, by security, do you mean um, like 51% uh, attack resistant or are you talking about like uh, an amenity for users also? I, th I think that's probably two different sides of that security question. Yeah, I think yeah, you're right. It's, it's, sorry, it's for, for me, it's, for me it, it's definitely the anonymity side um but but please if you can which i'm sure you can <laughs> address both 
Sure, sure. Yeah, when I was talking security, I meant network security, like uh, resistance against 51% attacks, and also just the ability to maintain its monetary standard. Uh, so the, 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 the distribution of full nodes that enforce the rule set, it's, uh, you know, the, the rule that there can only ever be 21 million Bitcoin ever in existence, existence uh, is a very critical parameter and one of the things that gives Bitcoin value. And so, yeah, the mining, the mining side, that's, that's, all, that's very secure. That's part of it, but also the security of, of all the nodes running and, and enforcing those rule sets that you, there's no way for a single entity that can come in and just kind of change it. Um, as far as like Monero and Zcash and the privacy stuff, um, they are more private. Um, each one kind of has different kind of nuances. I think, I think there's like, there's weird things where like, I think Zcash, unless you're doing something specific that it's really not private at all, but they do have like the technology they use for privacy is legitimate. Um, the problem is they don't have nearly the hash power that Bitcoin does. And, um, someone who really wanted to, uh, could probably kind of 51% attack them, um, and then also the other, the trade-off that you have to make with those, uh, with the way they do their, their anonymity is that you can't, uh, it's, you can't verify the supply when you're making some of those transactions. So it's <clears throat> possible for someone to cheat you in a transaction in a way that wouldn't be possible with Bitcoins. You can't val, you can't, uh, verify where those coins are coming from and those sorts of transactions. So there, there's a, there's a really critical trade-off made, uh, with doing that, um, to try to, to kind of pump Bitcoin up with this. It's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not anonymous, like a Monero Zcash, but it's pseudonymous. So as long as you're not giving up personal information that identifies you, uh, with certain Bitcoin on the blockchain, then, you know, you, you can move about without, anyone knowing what you're doing. There's coin joins too, which, uh, which mixes the coins up and kind of shakes everything up and breaks those heuristics with being able to track stuff. And then with the things like uh, liquid side chain, uh, as far as I'm aware, that's, that's really, really secure and uh, or really private. Now there's trade-offs with that too. You're on a, on a federated chain and kind of permission there, but uh, even something like the lightning network, um, that's the second layer of like creating payment instant, basically instant and uh, really cheap payment channels. Uh, no one really can see what's going on in those payment channels. And actually it was the IRS kind of recently came out with uh, a bounty for breaking Monero privacy and also lightning network privacy. So one of the arguments that Bitcoiners like well, me make is that, all right, Monero, Zcash, they have interesting privacy features. Um, but they're obsoleted by the Lightning Network. And then uh, with the upcoming Schnorr and Taproot uh, soft fork that's on its way, that'll, that'll have some privacy enhancements, not, not anything like uh, you know full anonymity, but um, it's working its way there. But uh, it, was, it was a decision, like, like I said, there's, there's critical uh, parameters that would be at risk if Bitcoin tried to implement those, uh, some of those privacy features there. So, um, that's something you have to weigh against when you're deciding, uh, whether or not you're going to, going to use those things. Okay. All right, Mr. Hush, your turn, yeah. brother, give us the, give us the rundown on Ethereum. 
So first off, I, I appreciate you uh, giving the caveat at the beginning that this is not a debate. Um, <laughs> there, if there's anything that I'm more tired of, it's the Ethereum versus Bitcoin debate. Um, and I also, uh, to, fuck, I forgot your, how to pronounce it already. Rala. Uh, Rala, Rala's credit. Like, Royo. Don't dis- <laughs> Ryu. Ryu. Yeah. Rojo. Uh, Rojo. <laughs> and it, it, it's to to his credit like i fundamentally don't disagree with much of what he said um and and i i think they're very my perspective probably varies but i just jump in I, I think they're more interesting questions versus pitting two technologies against one another about like what is the nature of money in the 21st century uh i, I historically money has been defined by what uh durability fungibility or limited supply, uniform. There's a whole slew of things that money has historically been defined by. Um, does that remain true in, in a modern economy where uh, land, labor, and capital no longer constitute the uh, means of production? Now we have data and processing power emerging as additional means of production. So uh, I, I'm going to like a little... Uh, preface tirade there, but uh, for those don't listen to, uh, or those listening and don't know, uh, Ethereum is a hard fork off of Bitcoin. It's a decentralized uh, distributed computing platform. And I think the the main calling card that folks uh, kind of wave the banner around for Ethereum is uh, Ethereum enables the uh, uh, creation of smart contracts and decentralized applications. And uh, you, you hinted to a lot of these in, in the past that they have interesting features uh, and attributes. Uh, I think the fundamental critique and question is, well, do we need that? Um, for and I think that's a fair question to ask a lot of the Ethereum folks. Uh, like, okay, so we've developed this, we've developed NFTs. Is is this is this solving a problem that needs to be solved, and uh, or is this more just like an interesting science experiment? And um, I think those are all fair questions. Uh, and a, a common a common frame that, uh, framework that I've thrown around last time I was on here, Maddie, is uh, also like Ethereum is programmable. Fun, fundamentally, it's programmable money. Um, so like that, that, that's the, uh, that's the dictionary.com, uh, <laughs> definition, but what, what does all that mean? So in an engineering level, what interested me in Ethereum, and I'm not an Ethereum maximalist, like I own, I own Bitcoin and I own Ethereum and I don't own many altcoins. I, I learned my lesson a few, several years ago, <laughs> but, uh, like what, what does all that mean? Like from Ethereum, what does programmable money mean? Decentralized applications. What does that fucking mean anyway? Uh, Ethereum, like it's a generalized framework that doesn't try to solve a particular problem, but rather provides reasonable components and patterns to developers to build solutions. Um, uh, an imperfect analogy here, I think, uh, that gets thrown around pretty commonly on Reddit um, and <laughs> crypto Twitter is like this comparison to Bitcoin is like legacy hardware design where like Oracle or IBM would develop a suite of hardware solutions and software to solve a very particular business problem, in this case, money um, or store of value. Uh, and then effectively try to ingrain as they're in consulting teams into getting a company uh, reliant on Oracle or IBM systems. And they would keep spinning up new customization uh, to uh, new custom solutions to these problems. And that's kind of how the way that the enterprise uh, tech industry operated for the better part of uh, before, I guess, like 2005, 2008. Um, 
even today in some segments. Now, uh, the, the imperfect analogy comes in with Ethereum being the uh, quote unquote AWS, which is not the case at all. Uh, but it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a relatable um, comparison where AWS wasn't trying to solve the problem of spinning up, uh, uh, how many servers do you want to buy? Well, forecast your compute uh, um, requirements three years in advance and buy all those servers. Uh, AWS provided a reasonable framework where you're providing constituent components that can then be leveraged and uh, built as you see fit. Well, and you can spin things up and spin things down. That That's a common uh, comparison. It's not a perfect analogy by any stretch. Like I live in that world and comparing AWS to Ethereum is not uh, a one-to-one uh, comparison, but it's, it's a useful, uh, it's a useful metaphor for folks who have no, who are brand new to uh, uh, this space. Um, and uh, going back to like uh, so that that's like the down low on Ethereum. Is there any question there, Maddie? I don't think so. Not yet, anyway. Okay. Rollo, anything? Uh, not yet, but keep going. Yeah, and so I touched on this in the beginning. So, like, what what is money anymore? Like, uh, is particularly in lieu of like uh, the the rise of the, the rise of monetizing user data. Uh, I, I've 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 worked in ad tech for a lot of my career. I've I've worked for some of the bad guys in ad tech, uh, where we are uh, monetizing user data and uh, data. Data is uh, uh, an asset uh, these days. A processing power is an asset. And uh, I, I, I I I'm curious what your thoughts are around like it, it, I I I got. I'm more, I'm, I'm less rigid in my thinking about this in the sense that I, I am one of those libertarians that you called out in the beginning. It was like, oh yeah, let's, uh, let, let's let competing currencies. That's, that's how I got into cryptocurrency. It was a way for me to put my economic views where my wallet is. <laughs> and um, it was probably, it's probably the most interesting social experiment, regardless of how you feel. It's the most interesting social experiment we've seen in probably a century. Um, yeah. and watching this play out in real time. And, uh, and it, it, I, so fundamentally, I think this is forcing us to question from like an economic standpoint, like what is money in this day and age? Um, like I, I, it, we had competing currencies in the United States as the norm uh, for most of our history. Uh, it was ba- uh, generally backed by some type of precious metal, which is that common denominator. Um, and, but uh, we did have competing currencies, and I, I, I do think there's, I think that poses an interesting question: is what, what does, what does that friction look like, uh, and what, what can, what can be developed to accommodate that friction? And I, I don't know. It, it's, just, it's just an interesting question that I've, I've been thinking about. I don't, I don't have an, I don't have a solution. And you, you touched on this also, and I think. When it comes to this question, I don't think there is a solution. I think there are only trade-offs. So how much security are you willing to compromise for flexibility or utility? And that, that's the constant, that's the constant uh, dialogue within the broader uh, crypto economy. I, I think it warrants calling itself its own economy at this point. It's a $2 trillion market cap. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I am a uh, very much a Misesian uh, Austrian economics mm-hmm. libertarian. And so I will, I just fall back on those definitions of, of money. Um, I don't think that anything, 
um, happening right now changes the fundamental nature of money or how it, how it ought to interact with society. Um, money is just a, uh, it's a tool to take current value and transport it across time and space for future uncertainty is kind of my basic definition of money. And so you want the thing that is the most uh, liquid and saleable asset because, you know, if you're, don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. You want to have the thing that's going to maintain value and and be something that everybody else is going to want um, in the uh, in the economy. So you don't have to worry about you know trying to do barter. And even you know people say, oh well, in, in a in a kind of a crypto uh, internet based economy where we have all these competing currencies, you know that can all be automated. And maybe, but automation doesn't solve the problems of liquidity. Um, so if you're holding some sort of like really illiquid cryptocurrency or asset and you want to use it as money, you know, your computer might be able to find a trading partner, but if there's no trading partners out there or the market's so illiquid that, you know, you think that you're be able to, you know, I'll be able to trade uh, um, five Rollo coins for, uh, for one hush coin. And then all of a sudden, you know, I make that first trade to, to get a hush coin, and then all of a sudden it costs 10 Rollo coin for one hush coin. Uh, we, we've seen that. I mean, at the, early on when I first got into Bitcoin and I was in, you know, I was trying to trade all coins too. I would find these random altcoins somewhere and put $20 into that uh, random altcoin and just see the chart just, you know, go crazy. And that's when I realized I learned a lesson in liquidity. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when you're doing that, um, when, when you have all these different crypto, you know, all these different tokens and currencies out there, and we're all trying to do the same thing. Let's just say the three of us each have our own uh, cryptocurrency. I got Rollocoin, you got Hushcoin, and, and we have Maddiecoin. And um, I want to buy something from Maddie. And so I've got to trade. I've got to somehow get Maddiecoin because that's what Maddie wants to get paid in. But I've got Rollocoin. Um, so I go to, to hush and, and we're able to make that trade. And so now I have to send hopefully, and, and that only works if you want Rollo coins. Mm-hmm. So we make that trade and then I go and make the trade to Maddie. Well, if we're doing that all the time, there's probably going to be one currency that kind of has the most liquidity and the saleability in the market. And that's kind of what people start to hold as something. Because it's like, all right, well, we have this thing called, um, you know, I'll, I'll just use Bitcoin. Um, there's Bitcoins out there, and uh, I hold a little bit of Bitcoin because I always know that someone else, even if I have to pay Maddie and Maddie coin, and I'm holding Bitcoin, I know someone's going to want to trade whatever they have for Bitcoin because then they can trade that for anything else. And then it comes like, you can take some a couple of logical steps and be like, well, if everyone's trying to, you know, have their holdings in Bitcoin and they want to get access to Bitcoin because it's that's ultimately what they have to trade into in order to make transactions, then why doesn't everybody just hold the same thing? So it's it's gonna naturally, the market's going to naturally uh go to that. And and I'll say one I'll touch on we you did mention that there were competing currencies in the US in the past. That's true. But one of the reasons um, that gold didn't fully dominate and we started having silver monetizing was because gold had the flaw that it couldn't, like you can't, let's say you've got a, a gold coin that's worth a, it's worth a cow, as it has through most of 
of history and you want to buy a cup of coffee, you can't like shave off a couple flakes of the gold coin. It's just like really to, to pay for the coffee. That's really, really impractical. So you have something that's a little bit less dense monetarily like silver that you can do for, for smaller transactions. And then they came up with the idea, well, we can just exchange these gold coins for paper notes and use the paper as money certificates. We all know the story what happened there. Eventually, you know, didn't come redeemable or it was difficult to redeem them. They just said, oh, we're not, we're not, we're not accepting gold. Uh, we're not accepting it. We're not going to pay you back in gold for your, for your federal reserve notes anymore. Have you um, read a uh, nation of counterfeiters by, uh, I think it's Stephen, Stephen Mim, I think is his name is, is, no. a, it's, it's, it's like this story about the history of counterfeiting money in within the uh, landscape yeah. of competing currencies. Uh, okay. it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's really, I read that in grad school. It, it's a really no, that sounds, that sounds like it'd be up my alley. There's a, a book called the uh, ascent of money by Niall Ferguson talking about yeah different and he he it's it's amazing all the scams throughout all of human history regarding money it's it's the same thing happening over and over again yeah that's, um, a, that's another really good one yeah and then of course the bitcoin standard by uh safety and moose if you uh and then and then on top of that because he he referenced this book all the time but uh uh the ethics of money production by guido holzman is really really good and was written before uh bitcoin was even created <clears throat> And I remember reading that book and being like, holy cow, this just like fits in so well with, with what's happening today. And then even he references uh, Damoneta by Nikolai uh, or Nicholas Arezme or Nicola Arezme. It's like the first treatise on money written in like the 13th century by a, uh, he was a, was he a cardinal? He was one of those guys where he's like a, an archbishop cardinal, but also a mathematician, physicist, just like a, a, an absolute, just total package. And an economist and writes a treatise on money. And it's just the way that he- Just uh, in his spare time, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just, nah, I'm just going to rip this out. Rip this good, off. No, no big deal. Good old Catholic church having a, a monopoly on the ability to read and write. <laughs> well, that's, I'm a cat. I'm, I'm, I'm a Catholic, so I- So it's I my family. My, okay, yeah. Um, I actually think people get, that's a different story, different different topic. But uh, I'll, I I actually defend the church on, on that one a little bit. Not that it's- perfect or not that everything went went swimmingly out there no but he was he was really critical of the prince who was the one who was minting the, the money back then and it's like if you if you clip your coins or counterfeit in a way it's like that is like you are stealing from everyone and just like really ripping into um into that and really really making a, a really strong moral case for for having hard money and not having someone uh, try to cheat it. So um, he was, he was talking about a prince, you know, maybe putting in 95% of the gold of what he claimed versus uh, versus what governments do today, <laughs> just mm -hmm. poof money into existence by pressing a government. So uh, 95% uh, would be a dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're at 60% of our total <laughs> historic money supply at this point now, right? In the last year. Yeah, it's it's just it's just absolutely crazy. Um, man, I'm, I went off. Uh, what were we, I don't even remember what I was talking about. We're getting into then started talking about. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's it's all interesting. I, you yeah. you actually brought up another question I had. I like so um, this notion of this notion of like winner take all. Um, and I don't necessarily believe this, but uh, the this idea with like decentralized finance. 
finance on Ethereum, we're, what we're seeing now is we're seeing, I think I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's now more wrapped Bitcoin uh, on the Ethereum network. I think it's, uh, I pulled up CoinGecko real quick. Uh, it's $8.1 billion in Bitcoin that's been wrapped on the Ethereum network. Uh, what, what, um, what counter argument would you have to someone saying that Ethereum is just absorbing that market utility of, of Bitcoin onto the Ethereum network? Um, well, what is that wrap Bitcoin doing? And it's 8 billion. I mean, what's uh, the market cap of Bitcoin though? Yeah. yeah it's like one, 1 trillion versus yeah. Ethereum 281 billion. And also this is admittedly a fairly new development right. too, like within the last year or two. But uh, my, my understanding of wrap Bitcoin is it's being used as a collateralized, uh, collateralized loan within DeFi. Um, that's my assumption. I don't mess around. I, I used to mess around with DeFi a little bit in the early days, but once we started getting into yield farming and stuff, like I was just like this, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't keep up with this shit. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I would say I've I've heard I've heard that claim about you know the rap Bitcoin and like what is it actually doing? I don't know. Um, you know, there's I don't know if that's that's if that's associated with things like you know putting stable coins uh, mm -hmm. as because I know I know there's some companies that do that where it's you send Bitcoin and you know it's it's Bitcoin versus stable coins to do it, but I mean like that that can be done on Bitcoin. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you can do multi-signature arrangements um, to hold uh bitcoin and collateral somewhere you can do smart contracts on bitcoin and then there's even just like side chains uh like you could do something like a, a liquid federated side chain to to make whatever arrangements you want so like the question would be why would you um move your bitcoin to a different protocol that isn't doesn't have the security promises that bitcoin does i'm um, i'm not I uh, I've never used the Bitcoin corollary to DeFi, uh, I've, but like that's that, I think that's another interesting question is like why, if you can do it on Bitcoin, why aren't 8.1 billion Bitcoins being used to do it on Bitcoin and it's going over to Ethereum? Um, I think most people don't, most Bitcoiners just don't want to give up their Bitcoin right now, um, no. which I mean, there's, there's, I mean, you can, you can send. I mean, that's part of the problem is in order to do that, in order to get some sort of uh, return on your Bitcoin, you have to give up your total control with your own private key and, and you're leaving it up to, you know, someone, you know, a risky, uh, riskier endeavor. Right, right. Um, so that could blow up. Um, yeah, I don't know why, you know, why, ape, I, I don't know. Um, but it, uh, I, you know, there's, I'll have to follow up with that because I know there's, there there's has, to, yeah, yeah, there I've heard has, people, I've heard Bitcoiners here like, oh, they talk about the rap Bitcoin, but it's, it's, you know, nonsense for XYZ. Um, but I can't, I can't make that argument. So that doesn't really matter right now. But yeah, my, my main point would just be, um, you're making major, major trade-offs by sending it to another protocol where um, like, even if it's like, I, I assume the wrap Bitcoins over there is for like doing smart contracts and stuff, but mm -hmm. um, you can't like, there, there are smart contracts on Bitcoin and a smart contract is just 
you know, making it such that when this input happens, this output happens, um, not any sort of necessarily special magic. Um, so yeah, I, I just don't really know what benefit you're getting out of doing it with Ethereum versus even just sending, sending someone else your Bitcoin because they, um, Ethereum does have the risk that, that it can get rolled back, um, that someone else is managing the, the nodes and everything. Whereas Bitcoin, you know, has really never suffered that sort of problem. And, and um, if you want security for your Bitcoin and, and really want to be and make sure you're getting it back, I, I, I don't see why you would, would move your Bitcoin away from the thing that it's secure in Bitcoin. And two, it's like, how do you wrap, I guess, how do you wrap Bitcoin on Ethereum? Like what is, what is the actual mechanics of that? Yeah. Like, is like, is the Bitcoin no longer, like, I guess that's, that's my question. So effectively, I think with like wrap, so you're familiar with like compound finance and MakerDAO and things like things of that nature that yeah, offer generally. like an alternative, that offer like an alternative to uh, fiat savings mm -hmm. accounts. So uh, there's a market on Compound where you can see real-time um, interest rates for these uh, savings accounts. Well, I think part of the allure is, uh, I don't know what the interest rates are paying these days, but I remember two years ago or so, uh, if you if you effectively send your Bitcoin to this uh, wallet where you get paid out an interest rate, um, it's a way. It's a way to hold your Bitcoin and uh, not just and earn earn additional um, income off of it. And so it's actually working for you. Uh, and so a wrapped Bitcoin is a way to, uh, enable Bitcoin you hold, uh, to interact with an Ethereum smart contract, uh, and get those interest savings accounts. And so that, that's, it's, it, I'm not, I'm not saying that this is evidence of, uh, by any right, means, right. I'm not saying that this is evidence of Ethereum, um, displacing Bitcoin. I, I just think that there's, there's a lot going on in the Ethereum world that's very interesting. I, th I think Ethereum, the Ethereum developer mindshare uh, from like, if you just look at GitHub commits and uh, uh, activity on GitHub, uh, the Ethereum um, the, the Ethereum community, I, I forget what multiple it is of Bitcoin is effectively 4X. Now, is that a good proxy for, I don't think so, uh, because you, how many of those commits are actually doing anything? <laughs> Um, and, uh, but like, it, they're just, it's, it's just interesting to me from a competing currency standpoint and, uh, to see this play out in real time. And like, I think Ethereum, Ethereum is the only protocol that is fun, flexible enough to enable the existence of both. I don't, uh, I, I, I like both of them to me and, and like to criticize the folks over on Ethereum to me, one of the things that drives me fucking crazy is uh uh we don't have a hard ceiling uh <laughs> it's inherently inflationary until we migrate over to proof of stake which theoretically should become more deflationary in nature but i mean even that's speculative um and that that's to that point point bit let the record show uh hush gives point to bitcoin there <laughs> yeah uh a few things to say so i did actually just google the rap bitcoin thing real quick um mm -hmm. And refresh my memory and then how you explain a little bit so you're just sending your bitcoin somewhere mm -hmm. so and that bitcoin's not yeah but wrapped, it's not wrapped bitcoin is like a derivative of the actual bitcoin that you're sending 
Right. So they like it's basically you send your Bitcoin to, you know, whoever is doing this thing. And mm-hmm. then they promise basically that they whatever you're holding is is like a one to one Bitcoin to whatever thing that they have ratio. It's not like the Bitcoin's moving over there. You're just. I'm I'm checking because I want to yeah. call bullshit on them. That's uh, what that's uh, so I just check Bitcoin is at fifty nine four seventy two. Wrap Bitcoin is at fifty nine four fifty two. So you're looking at a twenty dollars spread there. So there's no way they can be promising that. And if they are, we call bullshit. Well, one now. to I mean, yeah, I mean, one to one. That's close. Twenty dollars spread over fifty nine thousand. I mean, that's, yeah, true. That's true. close enough. It's it's just like uh, all these stable coins. It's like they're. If you look at it, they're not actually trading the dot because it's it's really kind of impossible to do that. So I'm not I'm not trying to needle them on whether or not they're exactly to one to one. My bigger thing is it's like you're you're just you're sending your Bitcoin to someone else's Bitcoin wallet, and then they're doing something on Ethereum and promising you a return. I guess they'll send you more Bitcoin back. Like is that? But it's like, it's auditable in the contract, so uh, it's in, it's enforceable by code. Uh, I I don't think it, the, sure. yeah, the explaining it through like a person is doing it. Uh, I I don't think is necessarily true, but yeah, I, I think yeah uh, yeah I, I mean just whatever. So it's someone or some software is doing mm-hmm. it, but it's like it's not like I think what happens is when people talk about wrapped Bitcoin, it sounds like just by the name, it's like the, the Bitcoin somehow being like trans or hopped it or whatever it is, like somehow in Ethereum. <laughs> yeah. Trans- yeah. <laughs> and, and it's really, it's really just being like, I could say now their, their version is enforced by some, some code where I could say like, all right, um, you said you guys. Are we back? I'm back. Okay. Let me let me get let me get hush back. What? All right, we're back. We're back. Yeah, Ethereum fucking sucks. Yeah, I, yeah. Think, I, think, I think that's what happened. <laughs> I was ready to make a great point, and then you texted uh, Vitalik. So go unplug the internet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man, it's time. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it, also to be clear, like I'm not I am not an expert on any of these things. I'm, yeah, I'm no, here that's equally. Fine. I, I yeah, I like I like hashing stuff out and just kind of having yeah. discussions. Caveat emptor. Uh, no no yes. formal training. <laughs> What's that? No formal training on any of this. None of us are experts. Yeah. All right, so so wrapped Bitcoin. Do we did we finish that one up? Yeah, I had one. Are we recording again? Yeah, we're we're still recording. Yeah, I don't think so. Okay. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah. Uh, so so I th- as far as I understand it, it would be like if I said, "Hey, I've got this way for you guys to uh, increase your Bitcoin. You know, gain some some interest on your Bitcoin. Here's a here's a Bitcoin address. Send me your Bitcoin." And then I'm going to go do something that generates a return. Um, and then I'll send you back more Bitcoin based on whatever return I get. So um, it's, it's not like bad necessarily, um, but there's certainly like a lot of counterparty risk and whatever they're doing, um, if it blows up, you know, you're, probably not getting your much or all of your Bitcoin back. So 
Um, but that's that's up to an individual if they want to, you know, risk their Bitcoin like that. Um, but I guess my point is just that it's it's uh, people are doing what I what I assume or, or or how I understand it. People are sending their Bitcoin to that wrap Bitcoin, not because they're necessarily using the Bitcoin to do something else. They're just getting some sort of yield, I guess, or or, or return yeah. on it. Yeah, which 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 I think I mean they are using it. That's that's utility. Yeah, and, sure. Um, and like that that that's that's another thing that um like you brought up like sending sending your money to a specialized wallet uh to get earn some additional uh yield in your bitcoin like that that's a component of a functioning economy like you, you need something like like you can't just stockpile cash like e- even if we were like back and we had what, whatever whatever our ideal world would be in the 1800s uh, from a monetary standpoint like the object was never to just stack cash like you you still had to put money to work and like I, I think wrap Bitcoin is uh, a testament to the Ethereum network enabling that uh, type of economy. Yeah, I just, well, I'll, I'll say this. I think like people make the, uh, you know, when they say, oh, they're just like throwing their money under their mattress. Mm-hmm. And that scene is like, oh, they're being stupid. But the reason people did that was because that was a safe place to put their money. And when the money was appreciating, then they didn't need it to, you know, we, we have this idea that you need to send your money to the bank to get interest, which it's, you know, you're, you're just hemorrhaging value by having it in the savings account or something. Um, but um, a, a healthy money, a healthy, hard, sound money would appreciate in value. So you could just sit on savings, sit on cash, and your purchasing power would increase over time. Uh, that's kind of the goal with Bitcoin, because since there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin, Bitcoin's designed to pump forever. So as we, as the economy generates more stuff, um, you're going to see, uh, you know, there's, there's just more stuff for each unit of Bitcoin to purchase. And so your purchasing power goes up. Uh, part of the problem with our system that we have now is that since there is so much uh, inflation and your money, you're losing purchasing power by just holding cash. Well, you have to send it somewhere to just be able to maintain um, your wealth. And you know, who knows what inflation actually is? But the government's like, you know, going by the CPI and stuff, and it's like, oh, we've had like two percent inflation so far this year. Just an just another joke, and everyone knows that. So <laughs> you probably have to get like seven to ten yeah. percent of interest on your money to be able to just maintain. And that's insane. That's really, really bad. And so what that does is it makes it people chase after that yield. And when they're chasing after that yield, because they know they have to throw their money into the stock market or other sort of investments that they don't have any half a clue. And I'll admit my 401k that I have, it's in stuff. I have no idea what the retirement 2055 funds are. It's it's utterly dumb money that's in there. I have no idea what's going on there. I don't understand yeah. it. I, I always explain my 401k to my uh, friends is it's a hedge against me being wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when you have that, it, it, it creates this thing where people are much more easy and willing to send money where they have no business sending it to because they don't understand what's going on. And so when you have such easy money going around 
people are engaging in projects that probably shouldn't happen. And that's why we see this like really bad boom and bust cycle and mm -hmm. wealth is getting destroyed. Whereas if we had a hard money system where people were just happy, thrilled to just throw their money under their mattress or put it in this case, put it into cold storage, then it really forces these businesses that need, uh, that need loans and need money, need investment to be able to really prove out that yes, this, this project is worth pursuing. And, um, you know, it, it, it starts separating the wheat from the chaff and, 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 um, punishing those entrepreneurs that don't do a good job with, with using that money and, uh, and, and being bad speculators, whereas the good ones get rewarded and reward the people who, uh, who invest in them. But, um, it's really going to, it's really going to be a thing where only the experts in those industries are throwing money around. Like we, we all each work in, in our own industries and we probably can look at those markets of the industries that we're in with a much better eye than, than a random person, just because we have expertise there. So, you know, Maddie and I are in the petrochemical industry. And so, you know, once we're, uh, if, if we develop a lot of capital and we have a lot of excess uh, cash on hand and we have enough cash that we're like, you know, I, we can sustain our lives pretty well and uh, have enough savings that if something goes wrong, we'll be good. It would be nice to be able to like have more money though. So we can take some of that excess cash reserves that we have and say like, Hmm, I understand this oil and gas industry pretty well. And someone's uh, working on this project um, that I think based on my expertise, it, I, I really think it's a good idea. Um, I'll go, uh, I'll go throw some money their way and invest there. Now, of course that's illegal right now, <laughs> which only makes it worse. So but yeah, that, that's how I view savings and, and uh, investing and, and interest rates and returns. Um, and also with under a Bitcoin standard, you just can't uh, give out loans like they do right now where they just say, oh, we have $100 in our reserves. We can give out $1,000 in loans. How? Well, we just debit people's accounts with another $900. Well, just how does it, that work? A simple keystroke. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's... So you're, you're, um, I also, I don't, I don't think I, I don't, Maddie may have told you this, but like, I, I, I subscribe to Austrian economics and like you were sure, walking sure. through Austrian trade cycle theory, which I 100% agree with. Yeah. I saw you but, nodding, nodding uh, your head. Uh, uh, oh yeah. That, that's also just autism in general, but, <laughs> <laughs> but um, the, 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 the counterpoint that I have to that though, is the deflationary nature of an idea what of a bitcoin standard would look like where you're you would gain more purchasing power uh hoarding hoarding bitcoin or hoarding money rather um the counterpoint to that i think is and i think the flaw here is no 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 carnegie was ever made or no uh uh no, who is another no, no jeff bezos uh <laughs> andrew carnegie was ever made by just stacking cash in their mattress and growing that stack. And that's where I think the bias in that view is. Uh, it, it looks at entrepreneurship as stacking enough cash until you can build uh, enough stockpile to go take a risk in your area of expertise. But the reality is, is 
majority of individuals don't want to go start a business. <laughs> um, the majority of people just want their money to work for them. Um, and I would argue probably more wealth was made. No, nah, actually, I wouldn't argue that at all. But uh, <laughs> like, I, it, it creates a very one-dimensional approach to wealth generation where uh, entrepreneurship is the only option. And that, that's something I've I've wrestled with also from an Austrian view. Um, and whereas like they're, they're completely valid uh, alternative ways. Like, I don't like, do I trust the stock market now? Absolutely not. <laughs> Is that where I want uh, capital to be deployed? Absolutely not. But in a, in a functioning economy, like who's to say, who's to say the S&P 500 um, or and regular vanilla index fund, name your sector, uh, isn't a valid uh, way to deploy capital in a deflationary environment. Um, and that, that skew towards entrepreneurship that, us, that Austrians have, where I think like that's like entrepreneurship almost, it doesn't get set up to like uh, idle status the way Anne, Ryan, Anne Rand puts it up. But uh, I, I, I feel like there are more ways uh, to build wealth than just building, building stockpiles of capital and then starting a business. Yeah, I don't necessarily think you have to just like do it that way. And I think that there will be stock markets in a Bitcoin economy or a sound money economy. Yeah. There's, there's nothing wrong with with the stock market or anything. I just think that um, in the, the current fact, environment, there is. Yeah, well, yeah. right. Because well, there's, the, there's, the there, current uh, stock market is a money. disaster. Yeah, the 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 uh, the inf wildly inflationary, uh, horrible fiat incentivizes dumb money to go in there and, and people get wrecked. But yeah, it's not so much that you just have to like stack cash and just become an entrepreneur. That would just be a way if you decide that that's what you want to do and and take a risk to to really build it up. You can do that. But otherwise, in a sound money economy, as your as your money's appreciating, you build wealth by just working. Being, a, being an employee, because if your purchasing power is increasing, uh, uh, if the purchasing power of your money is increasing, you don't actually have to get a raise, a, a nominal raise every year. Just you getting that same wage allows you to have more wealth uh, each year. So you're building wealth that way that you don't even have to like go out and chase yield or anything. Um, like we do now to build wealth. It's just the nature of you continuing to work. And, you know, over time, you're probably getting more skilled. So you, you're probably getting a raise, whether in this, I mean, it might be, Bitcoin might, a great situation would be that every year you have to negotiate your wage lower, <laughs> but you're getting more, Purchase. your salaries more with their purchasing power. Yeah. Um, so that opens up people to do a whole lot of stuff that maybe the decision is instead of, uh, instead of, you know, continuing your 40 hour work week or something, you say, I only have to work 30 hours this year or 20 hours or 10 hours, even John Maynard Keynes, uh, predicted that like, man, in like 50 years, people are going to be working like 12 hour work weeks just because the, uh, he didn't anticipate how, how much people would actually use his theories and just wreck everything. But uh, he was, he thought that under, you know, that we're going to have so much productivity that people wouldn't have to work as much, but be able to maintain or improve their, uh, their standards of living. So that opens up when you have all that extra time that opens up people to do, you know, take another job if they want, uh, you know, do some investment or, or speculation entrepreneurship um, or just, 
enjoy that leisure time. Um, it really opens up a lot of stuff. And um, so I, I think that's just a, would be a much better situation. It, it makes it actually more flexible for people because they will have more money and they will have more time to, uh, to engage in other activities that they, that they deem fit. Now, when you were talking about a functioning, functioning stock market on, um, uh, on a Bitcoin standard economy, uh, like, yeah, that, that wasn't the implication that I yeah, thought yeah, that yeah, the yeah. two were mutually exclusive, no, 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 but no. The, yeah. the, the interesting thing and, uh, the, the interesting feature of Ethereum through like tokenization of assets, um, th that that enables a world where we could have a decentralized uh, decentralized uh, equities market um, that people could invest in uh, and get rid of all the slew of middlemen. And I I did some time in finance long long ago. <laughs> there are many many middlemen, um, and I, I, that. That, that's also the other compelling thing to me with uh, Ethereum, this, this notion of tokenized assets and um, being able to uh, represent, represent parallel systems that re are recognizable to consumers, in the, but just represent it decentralized and in a digital ecosystem. One thing that I was interested in uh, learning about is, um, is, is there a corollary to that in Bitcoin? Because yeah. I don't know. I don't yeah. know the answer. Yeah, there is. Um, one, I, I, well, just I'll say this. I don't necessarily think the stock market needs to be like decentralized like that. There are some problems, but I think the, the biggest, I think once you have hard money and that just, just the fact that you have hard money will just drive a lot better decisions and, and they'll have to fight for the, for getting money harder. So mm -hmm. that will force them to be more efficient. But, uh, but yeah, there are, there are things in Bitcoin that, that could do that. So there's colored coins in Bitcoin that um, you basically burn like a Satoshi or something, and that's associated with some sort of information. And so whoever whoever has that last spend that's, that can uh, be traced back to that uh, Satoshi that was burned on the blockchain with that information, guess it now, that adds a lot of... Uh, stuff onto the blockchain a lot of data that's that's not useful um for anybody other than the people that are that care about that asset that's been uh on that color coin but there's things again like the liquid side change you can do a federation of people that are involved in the stock market that they all have a, a you know have a say in, in in what's going on because you know if you and i are trading uh, stock, you know, let's say, you know, Maddie creates a company and he, and he sells stock and, and we both buy it. Not really many people other than us as stakeholders really care about it. So we could just do that on the side chain connected to Bitcoin. And then also, I don't know much about it, but there's a project called uh, R RBG or RGB. I forget, but it's Ruth colored Bader coins. Ginsburg. Yeah. <laughs> He's been, uh, we've uploaded her, uh, her, uh, her, her soul. Essence. Yes, essence into uh, Bitcoin, and now therefore Bitcoin is evil and must be destroyed. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but now uh, it's a it's a third layer built on top of Lightning Network that implements um, these colored coins that allow for you know you to put a little bit of information um, onto the blockchain and then be able to trade that token pretty easily and cheaply back and forth. 
Interesting. I, I wasn't aware of colored coins. I've got a tab open now to uh, yeah, go down you, this uh, wormhole. <laughs> there's a, uh, I think it's in Mastering Bitcoin. Um, he's got a section. In Topolis's book? Yeah, yeah. Got it. He's got a section that explains it pretty well. Um, talks about how you would uh, keep track of a car, you know, who owns a car. But again, you know, trying trying to add add uh, physical goods onto the blockchain still like the oracle you know it's the oracle problem you just still have to figure out you know if i steal your car and you go like well it says here on the blockchain i own the car it's like Haha, well i actually have the actual keys and you can't find me so but for but for something like stocks that's that's obviously different you can have that just be totally uh digitally native but bitcoin can still can still handle that interesting all right. I'm going to stop reading right now. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I, I do have Antopolis's book on my bookshelf back there too. Yeah. I need to revisit that. It's good. Yeah. It's uh, that, that and uh, Grocking Bitcoin are the two mm -hmm. books that I've read for, uh, for understanding the technical side. Both very, both different approaches, both really, really good. Um, can I, uh, unless I don't want to take over your podcast, Maddie, but I had some questions for Hush. No, no, please do. I mean, so I, I have one burning question, but we can get to it at the end. And I think it'll be simple, but. Okay, seven. What's that? Is that the answer? No. <laughs> seven. Yeah, Close. <laughs> no, it's 42. Yeah. 42, right? Um, so what, can you explain to me how like gas works and how we have all these like ERC-20 tokens on top of Ethereum? Like, yeah. you know, what are they secured by their own whatever arrange, proof of work or proof of stake arrangement and then also secured with ethereum's network like how does that yeah right now uh right now like uh i think ETH, we're, we're still we're still not over over like the major hump on the ethereum side to ETH 2.0 um am i am i echoing or is that maddie i i don't um, hear an echo is that just in my head i hear i hear a little <laughs> bit too it was echoing for me if you, for for a little bit too yeah, so gas. I just look at. Uh, have you ever interacted with the Ethereum network, like through any like DAP or anything like that? No. And I by the way, so. I, I I hate the term DAP. It is uh, <laughs> decentralized applications. Uh, but uh, so effectively, think of it as like a toll fee. Um, you, and Ether. I think that's also an interesting component. Like I don't think of Ether. And there are some people who are involved with Ethereum right, who think of Ether as like a, a global reserve currency, but also a currency for the digital world. I very much think of Ethereum um, or Ether as the currency for a digital world built on Ethereum, whereby like, so are you familiar with AWS? Mm -hmm. Okay, so AWS, you pay per gigabyte usage, right? Um, and um, Ethereum, you uh, those gas fees, in my head, going back to this imperfect AWS analogy, is effectively you paying for usage of the network. So as far as ERC-20 uh, tokens, um, I'm, not, uh, I'm not sure how each individual token is secured. My understanding for the applications I've used is that uh, it's, uh, it's unique to that chain. Um, I don't believe it's shared with Ethereum, but I'm no expert on this. Okay. Um, yeah, and like I've, I, it's it's actually very fascinating to see how these decentralized applications. I'm trying to avoid saying 
dab again uh, how, it, how it's evolved over the last three so i got involved with ethereum bitcoin was the first one uh that i got involved with way back in grad school uh and um if ethereum interested me just because like it seemed like money is lego blocks uh and being able to build with money in a digital state now there is a lot of solutionism that's rampant in the ethereum community where like oh we're gonna do this on a blockchain well answer the fundamental question is does this need to be on a blockchain right, right. <laughs> um, and uh and, and so like uh, 20 2016 like uh and then 2017 interacting with some of these nascent decentralized applications was very similar to trying to get online in 1993 <laughs> mm-hmm. um and and now like um like i mentioned compound uh compound.finance and uh, MakerDAO, some of these bigger names in DeFi. Um, we, we've jumped from 1992 internet to, uh, web 2.0, um, usability standards, uh, and technically Ethereum would be web 3.0, but, uh, it's uh, the user interface and the amount of utility that is being developed on the Ethereum network has, it's blown my mind in the last three years, like going from trying to uh, just poke around using MetaMask on Etherroll to gamble <laughs> uh, and how painful that was to now being able to pull out. We have a fully functioning derivatives market on Ethereum. Um where you cut out the middlemen, where you can put up collateralized loans, you can you can take out P2P loans, and I know you can do a lot of this on Bitcoin too. But um, like it's, uh, I, f- I forget what the DeFi uh, transaction volume and how much money is changing hands on a day to day basis. But like it's a small economy, and like mm-hmm. we, um, and I think this is where a lot of the tension between the Ethereum and Bitcoin maximalist camps come from. Like this. Ethereum, Ethereum's the next big dog in the room. And I, I, I do, I'm more interested, I'm interested in Bitcoin from a political standpoint, and I'm interested from, in Ethereum from an engineering standpoint. And I, I, I'm able to keep those things mutually exclusive, but um, I, that's the best way I can kind of paint, paint my engagement with both worlds. And I, right. I, I find certain people in both camps insufferable too. So. <laughs> It happens. Yeah. It, hey, we're all libertarians, so we know yeah, what that, exactly. that what that deal is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if you've. I, how long have you been involved in this world? Uh, Bitcoin. Yeah. Or uh, uh, just crypto in general, like just casual interest. 2013, 2014. Okay, so but, we're about. But, we're but that was like real time. casual. I did. I really didn't get into it until uh, tw- end of 2017, 2018. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, where everybody else suddenly got really interested. (laughs) Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't able to, I was in grad. So, so we, we started reading up about the around the same time. I think it was like grad school. So that'd be 2012 for me, but I was also a broke grad student, so I couldn't do anything. (laughs) Um, And, uh, and it it probably was like 2015 when I started putting like meaningful amounts of money for me as a 20 year old, 20 something year old uh, at, at that time, that's probably around the time uh, I got involved 
into both of them and like it's it, I, have you have you noticed like more like i it used to be that libertarians and caps agorists and stuff like that was all we i used to encounter on the forums now i'm starting to see like fucking commies show up and like i'm like what no <laughs> well yeah yeah i mean i'm trying to my one of my main goals with the podcast is trying to bridge the gap between the libertarians and bitcoiners because it's like we're like the same thing guys like bitcoin is the is like the greatest tool that libertarians could ever have fighting the state and you know these big you know these guys that go on to bitcoin and they're like go from you know insufferable bernie bros to like start being like well, wait why is this bitcoin like going number going up and then they start learning about it and they go holy cow and they start reading rothbard and Mises, and they get you know they they, they turn into real solid ancaps so it's like it's perfect yeah. Why are you? Why are you? Some of you resisting either side. Um, yeah. It's it's been interesting to see the influx. Like you, I'm seeing more leftist than some of the forums I frequent, mm -hmm. and like I'm kind of like, I don't know how I feel about y'all being here. <laughs> well, well, now the big thing is about how quote bad for the environment unquote Bitcoin is. So oh, it's God. scaring off a lot of the leftists, which is great because I rather them like one. I'm happy for anyone to start, you know, getting involved in Bitcoin because whether they realize it or not, they're they're acting in a way that will uh, destroy the state, mm -hmm. and they're kind of like orange pilling themselves without realizing it. But at the same time, I want leftists and other awful people to be the last ones to adopt Bitcoin because I want libertarians and the good people to <laughs> be the ones that get asymmetrically wealthy. Yep. I'm I'm with that hundred percent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like if they if they had it their way, we'd all be at uh, re-education camps anyway. Yeah, um, well, I know. And yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, it's hey, are, are you familiar with the Guns of Bitcoin podcast? Uh, yeah, like the conference. Or is that oh yeah, with the, the conference. conference yeah, the conference, but the podcast also. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Uh, I was, that's actually who I was meeting with before nice. hopping on here. Um, I'm going to be talking at the conference um, next month. Or actually, nice. I was I was there in uh, the one in September. Okay, great. Yeah, uh, and I, I'm actually going to be talking about the intersection between because, like, I'm very much my my trajectory was libertarian and cap guns or crypto then guns and mm -hmm. like and then now 3D printing guns and yes. um yes. it's it, it, it's uh, talking about the intersections between the worlds and how do we get more people involved in that <laughs> yes i when i was there i met a guy um i apologize so much for, i forget his name but he had a uh, his 3D printer had a uh, like a desktop computer attached to it that was like running btc pay server so you could just like go on the website of whoever's running this, like click buy, send them Bitcoin, and then the 3D printer will start printing, printing whatever it. you just yes, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's pretty was, slick. He was a really interesting. I had him on the podcast. He was a really interesting conversation. Uh, uh, Sikorsky was his last name. Oh, I forget his. Uh, but um, yeah, well, that's that's what the really cool thing is that all those 3D printer guys for 3d gun guys like a lot of them were kind of like yeah about bitcoin and then they started understanding like one why they understood why their technology was so important and then like once they start getting a little bit into bitcoin they go holy cow it's the same thing but for money they can't yeah. stop this I just can't, and, stop, can't stop the can't signal. stop the signal that's yeah. right <laughs>
yeah, yeah it's, it's uh it, that, that's also going to be like one of the underlining themes too about like cryptocurrency regardless of your flavor like um is self-determination at a financial level uh mm-hmm. and then you have guns where you're taking self-defense and uh you're owning the your own protection and for your own individual self and then 3d printed guns now that introduces a certain level of immutability to that mm-hmm. <laughs> where this information's out there dog it ain't going nowhere <laughs> yeah it was, it was years ago but cody wilson was on an, an interview and he dropped this line that was just the most just perfect he said let's give the government something it can't shoot with firepower and we'll see what it does. And he was talking about that was back then when he was just had the, uh, uh, the liberator, the single, fi- mm-hmm. the single fire shot, uh, or single shot or whatever, single fire. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it was like that, that was the game changer. And, and just like, it was only a couple of years ago and you see where we are now and they are, yeah. uh, further from being able to stop it than they were back then. And so it's just they they're they're a violent organization and all they know is violence. And if they can't point a gun at something and shoot it, they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And so it's like pouring water on a robot with uh with being able to route around them and just being like mm. and they just kind of get all get all twisted up and uh. Yeah. End up looking like the uh, Bitcoin SV network. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, what? What's? I, 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 I think I I got Bitcoin Cash from like it was just airdropped to me or not airdropped, but uh, I just got it from the fork and then like I had it some wallet somewhere I found out and then all of a sudden I had Bitcoin SV too. Yes. I, I sold that like as fast yes. as I could. <laughs> Like the it was oh, we're gonna put the entire internet on the blockchain and it's gonna be there forever and no one can stop us. And so someone went, Oh really? Here's child porn. Yep. That'll fix you it. Now have child porn on your computer forever. Uh what a you know, fantastic. Like, man. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 interesting to me um that the all these all these disparate technologies are uh unified by this common theme of self-determination and individualism um right and that i that and you see that you see tribalism within any i'm i'm big from like the traditional gun world and like you see like you, you've got bitcoin maximalists and you've got glock guys they're the same right. thing basically yeah. <laughs> i i happen to like glocks and own glocks a lot i also happen to like bitcoin but i also like czs too <laughs> um I just like guns, dog. Like right. <laughs> that's what I tell people. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's it's really interesting to me that like I I don't think there's a the only other time I'd rather be alive than now is maybe five ten years from now to see how this all plays out. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, hopefully we're all still around five ten years. <laughs> yeah, I know. Way to, way to bring it down point. at the end, man. <laughs> yeah, not yeah. We're just we're alive and not in a gulag. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like uh God comes up to me and was like, You sure you want to take this bet? I'm like, Yeah, yeah. And then like it just fast forward, like, but where am I? I was like, Oh, you got yeeted by the ATF like six months later. <laughs> Sorry, boss. <laughs> you don't get to find out how this plays out either way. <laughs> All right. Well, I know I said I had a question, but that was burning and I I forgot it. So <laughs> um 
I, I do have to run, and I know it's getting late for you, Rollo. So, uh, plugs, everybody. Rollo, you go first. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, Matt, thanks for having me on, and, and Hush, thanks for having this conversation. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad we yeah. could uh, do it and 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 learn a little bit from each other. Uh, but yeah, I am uh, Rollo McFlugel. I am the co-host with my friend Slappy Jones on the Rollo and Slappy Show. It is a weekly podcast. And we also do a, a blog that doesn't get written on so much anymore, but go through our archives. We've been doing that for, I think, like eight years. So we got like 500 or so articles up there. Um, so you can check that out at mcflugel.com. And also we are the, uh, the operators of libertymugs.com, which is exactly what it is. Liberty Mugs! Like. Yeah. Yes, sir. It's a website where you go uh, and buy mugs. And uh, also... Uh, Slappy and I are working on a, uh, a Bitcoin education uh, service website newsletter kind of thing. So be on the lookout for that. We're going to uh, roll it out soon. Kind of getting a uh, sneak uh, sneak peek of me talking about that. But it's something we're, we're really excited about and uh, I think it'd be pretty useful. Oh, that's awesome, man. You're, nice. you're a busy guy. <laughs> Try to be. <laughs> I have no life is what it really means. <laughs> yes, that too. Same. <laughs> Tractors, farming, Bitcoin, blogs. That's it. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, uh, I'm uh, at the same usual places the last like three times I was on here, Maddie. Just Citizen Hush on YouTube if you're into guns, 3D printed guns. And uh, Citizen Hush on Twitter um, if you're into uh, feet pics <laughs> and pics of guns. <laughs> All of the above. All right, folks. Y'all know what to do. Did you say? Wait. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. D- did you say feet picks? Yep, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. You know whatever you're into. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I know now. <laughs> I recognize. You should have. You should have done this. Oh yeah. <laughs> I could have recognized you. Wiggle him, daddy. Oh man. Wiggle him. <laughs> All right, y'all know what to do. Like, share, subscribe. Tell your mom. Tell your dad. Tell your dog. Tell your Bitcoin miner down the street. We'll see y'all the next time someone's out. Peace. Cross the 57 Chevy with a hillbilly bench. Had a little honky tonk filled with one night stands. Take a tell him fire with a gun so steel. In dark house space just to seal the deal. Yeah, top 40 country better watch your back. Faster than your Cadillac. Cadillac.